episode 37 for June 2008. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They're an online leader in comic book subscriptions, and they have discounts from 38 up to 75% off the cover price of new comics. This month, they have Amazing Spider-Man number 568. The cover price is $3.99, and Mail Order has it for $2.47. So be sure to check out MailOrderComics.com and let them know the Crawl Space sent you. Welcome back, webheads, to the second and final hour of my interview with writer Roger Stern. We answer your dozens of message board questions, and our first one is, of course, a hobgoblin question. All right, Funny K from Scotland. He says, first, let me say you are the king of Spider-Man writers. I'm one of your biggest fans. And his first question is, in Hobgoblin Lives Number 1, at the end before Roderick Kinsley kills Jason McIndale, he refers to him as a failure. Does this dialogue reflect your own perception of the character? No, that's that's really uh, Kingsley's perception. Okay. I mean, he'd been willing to tolerate Massendale's taking on the Hobgoblin identity up to that point. You know, <laughs> took any heat, possible heat off of him. It, it made his identity of the Hobgoblin being sort of the result of an, the, the perfect crime. No one ever knew that he was. Uh, but Jason had gotten himself captured incarcerated and brought to trial. Mm-hmm. And in Kingsley's mind, that made him look bad. It was sort of an ego thing. Yeah. Like, oh, we captured a hobgoblin. Eh, <laughs> that couldn't happen. All these years I've been saying Mackendale. It's, uh, how do you say it? Uh, it could be uh, Mackendale or, or Massendale. Massendale, uh, okay. I've, I've just always got that wrong. <laughs> His other question... Oh, go ahead. It could be either way. I, okay. I don't know. It's it's Paca, right? It's not pizza. Paca. Yeah. Paca. It's, it's, it's uh, Swiss. Yeah, there you go. Uh, his other question is: If you had continued on Amazing, would you have eventually revealed the Hobgoblin's identity? I would hope you would. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I would eventually. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, my my original plan was to keep you know, the Hobgoblin's identity a secret at least one issue longer than Stan had kept the Green Goblin's identity. Ah. Uh, but it, it might have gone longer. You know, I don't know. It was, it would have just, I was just seeing how it would have developed. You know, mm-hmm. Paul Smith told me I should never reveal the identity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, just to drive people crazy forever. That would really piss them off. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think that would, I think that would have been too much. You know, it would pay off eventually. Yeah, no doubt. But I'd already set some things up with, with the mention in my, my last few issues of, of Kingsley's brother. And there were a lot more red herrings still to come, so. Right. Uh, well, what's some other red herrings? What were you thinking about? Well, they're just bringing in some other people and making people wonder about whether or not this guy could possibly be. Okay. Uh, his other question is, uh, I always thought you would be a great writer on Marvel Team-Up. <laughs> were you ever offered that job? No, you... no, I'm not sure I would have taken it if it was offered. Yeah. As, as, as we discussed, I do fake book, you know, yeah. at least as far as Spider-Man goes. You know, yeah. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Although, the, although there were certainly a lot of, of great stories written. Yeah, John Byrne's run on that was good, I thought. That was good. There was yeah. some, you know, uh, Chris did a whole uh, storyline with Sal Buscema and uh, Steve Lealoha involving Nick Fury and Shang-Chi and Mm-hmm. Stuff going on there. Yeah. There's a, a number of there, good stories. There were bright and, spots, but there sure were some duds, weren't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 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 the closest I got was you know, I wrote a a, a, a team up annual. Uh, I think it was issue three, mm-hmm. and Spider-Man had a very brief cameo in it. But it was mainly a story about the Hulk, Power Man, Iron Fist, and Machine Man. Ah, 
Yeah, they tried to throw in the Human Torch and the Hulk in there, and it just yeah. never really worked. They always went back to Spidey. Always went back to Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, th- th- there were a few more Hulk appearances while the TV show was going on. Yeah. But, you know, that was about it. Yeah. Uh, his other question is, uh, if the Hobgoblin was drawn by someone else in John Romita Jr., do you think he would have been received as well? Well, it's it's really impossible to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, because J.R. brought so much to the character visually and the way he moved and everything. Uh, if someone else had done it, uh, designed them and drawn them, I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would have been different. Yeah. It, it's, it's like saying, you know, what would have been the Fantastic Four? <laughs> what would the Fantastic Four have been like if, you know, Joe Manili had lived and, and he'd gone that first issue with Jack Kirby? It would have been very different. I don't know. <laughs> Alternate reality. We don't know. Alternate reality. Sure. <laughs> if you, his, other, his last question is, uh, if you had continued on Spectacular Spider-Man, would you have created the Hobgoblin anyway? Oh, I really don't know. Because all, all of my stories sort of grow sort of organically where one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. And if I'd stayed on Spectacular with whoever would have been drawing it, mm-hmm. maybe I would have done the Hobgoblin, maybe not. I don't know. I guess there's no real way to know. You need one of those Doctor Strange magic balls, or, 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 or not magic eight balls. Uh, yeah. That was what the other reality would have been like. Uh, Greg XB uh, says, in the afterword for the Hobgoblin Lives graphic novel, you said that when you left Amazing and DeFalco took over, he asked you to tell him who the Hobgoblin was and that you gave him a name. Was the name Roderick Kinsley, or did you throw him a red herring? Oh, no, I, I gave, him, gave him Roderick's name. Okay. Uh, always wanted to play fair. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we kind of already answered this question about if Roddy's ever going to get off that island. Uh, well, actually, he says, will he get off the island with you penning a story about him? Is his question. That uh, was possible, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Steve Wacker is happy with the story that I'm writing mm-hmm. and someone else on the team doesn't already have plans, maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Uh, what was it like reading how others handled the mystery of the Hobgoblin identity after you left the book? It, it was, you know, I had, had no real problems uh, with uh, with any of, of Tom and Ron's stories. I thought they were all first rate. And as I said, with with 289, I, I was very happy because I immediately saw the opening I needed to eventually re- reveal the real story. Mm-hmm. And I knew that since they'd sort of settled the question, no one would be, like, messing with it. You know, so it was, it was going to be sitting there until I could convince someone to let me do it. Right. And... And his final question is, any chance we'll see a rematch between Kingsley and Norman, except both are in costume this time? I, I thought, was Norman in costume last time? Uh, that specs- no, no, he, he wasn't. He had, he had okay. this sort of stooge goblin who uh, oh, okay. be some sort of faulty clone of, of Harry or something, as I recall. Oh, yeah. But, yeah uh, that, people hate that goblin. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 he did. So that's no yeah, but uh, that, that'd be awesome to see. They actually tried that in uh, Amazing 312 with uh, Todd McFarlane artwork, but it was Harry in the Green Goblin costume versus the Hobbit. Uh, but, not quite the same. No, 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 it's not. Uh, our good friend George Behrman says, uh, Roger, you and Tom DeFalco, after you wrote what I've considered to be my golden age of Spider-Man back in the mid-'80s oh, when, I was, when I was in junior high, it's a pleasure to see you visiting us here at the, uh, the Spider-Man Crawl Space. I'm also a great admirer of your work on the Avengers. Uh, three questions, Spidey-related. Aside from Stan Lee, who was your favorite Spider-Man writer from any of the myriad titles that have been published in regular continuity? Hands down, Tom DeFalco, mm-hmm. especially when he was working with Ron Friends. Uh, Tom and Ron had this great chemistry, 
and yeah. really, really understood Spider-Man. Right. Those were great stories. Yeah, DeFalco's one of my, I, I love that, uh, Spider-Man in, uh, 269 after you left, where he fought Fire Lord. Tom DeFalco did that one. I thought oh, that, that was, was great. I love great that one. story. Yeah. I did too. It kind of, it kind of reminded me of the Juggernaut. You know, he was up against a, a villain that, you know, he can't really kick his ass, but he did. But he did. <laughs> but he did. You know, it's like, yeah, we'll throw you up against a cosmic guy. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful way to start the week. I get to fight Fire Lord. Oh. Yeah. And then I got to go to team up. That sucks. If you're writing Amazing Spider-Man again and got to handpick your artist from today or back in the day, who would it be? Well, assuming that Steve Ditko wasn't interested. <laughs> I, let's see. I don't know. Anyone named Romita? Yeah. Uh, Ron Friends, John Byrne, Lee Weeks, Mike Loringo. I would have loved to have worked with oh. Ringo. He was he but, was a great artist too, and, and he, you could really tell that he enjoyed working on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. There, there have been so many great Spider-Man artists over the, over the years. It would, uh... Have you ever had any uh, dealings with Ditko? Yeah, uh, we, we've talked a number of times. It's been years wow. and years, and, and I, I sort of scripted uh, the first eight or so issues of his Speedball book. Mm-hmm. That I always said that, that's that's. I was doing whatever it is that Mark uh, Evanier does on Gru, <laughs> sort of the resident mendicant, because <laughs> I get these you know uh, layouts from from Steve uh, before he tightened up the final artwork, and he had like sort of like a piece of typing paper with with the panels drawn in and, and rough dialogue. Yeah. And if if we used all of that, you wouldn't have had to ink it because it would have <laughs> all the balloons would have filled things. So yeah. it was sort of like. You know, playing script doctor, translator, mendicant, whatever, and mm-hmm. making Steve's uh, coming up with words that make made Steve's story work. Yeah, I wish speed that Speedball book would have been more well received. I mean, yeah, me that, too. That was Ditko coming back to Marvel, yeah, I think. <clears throat> what What do you think? I mean, uh, he hasn't been. They did a documentary in the BBC over Ditko trying to track him down. Uh, is uh, no chance he's coming back to Marvel, huh? What do you think? That I don't know. Not to Spider-Man, certainly. Yeah, he's he's made that clear a number of times. You know, and you gotta respect that. Yeah, but, but Steve Steve is a very uh, private man. Mm-hmm. Prefers to let his work speak for him, and I gotta respect that. He's sort of the J.D. Salinger of comics. Exactly. <laughs> Another artist, you know, he had a. a you said it's a friend of yours, John Byrne. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Marvel kind of had a, had a falling out over that X-Men: The Lost Tales. Uh, his his uh, chapter one was that well received, I, I think, in the Spider community. But did, any chance him and you could you and him could do something with, at Marvel? Well, yeah, I never I never say never. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if the cosmic axis shifts, if you know, people people make nice, people fall out of favor, yeah. people get back together. You know, it's yeah. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. It could happen. <laughs> I think it'd be great. Uh, George's other question is, what was your assessment of the three Spider-Man movies? I, I know you haven't seen the third one. Yeah. What do you I think it wanted to? Yet, but, uh, I thought the first two were pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought the organic webbing was sort of ill-conceived. Yeah. Uh, it, because, just because it, it takes away for, from uh, Peter's science savvy. Mm-hmm. You know, people are always saying, well, you know, you know, Peter Parker is like every man. Is no, no. Peter Parker isn't every man. <laughs> Peter Parker is the smart guy in your class. Yep. He's the you know the wizard. He, he comes up with all of this stuff. You know, and 
if, if you take away the, the web shooters, that makes him not as smart in science. Right. Yeah. You know? And and and, <clears throat> and I thought that goblin outfit hid too much of Willem Dafoe's. Oh yeah. The scariest is when he lifted up those things and you saw his eyes. I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. Willem Dafoe is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. He was in this, this great movie called Streets of Fire. Haven't seen that. Years ago. Oh, it's, it's a, rent it. It's a, it's a great <laughs> picture. It's sort of an alternate reality of of the of the, the late seventies, early eighties, where <laughs> everything is still the fifties. Everyone's driving <laughs> Studebakers, and, and it's, it, it's oh. a ghetto, and it's just this horrible place. But there's great music. And it's just a, a, an amazing picture. And Willem Dafoe plays the bad guy in it, and he is scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, he he nailed Norman. He just walks in and looks at you, and you're going, oh, take everything. <laughs> I'm know. done. But, uh, but considering that they, they took like elements from over a decade of stories for that first movie, it really holds together pretty well. Mm-hmm. It was at least entertaining, and I thought it... it it captured a lot of, of what Spider-Man is about, and I loved mm-hmm. Alfred Molina as, as Doctor Octopus in the second one. I oh yeah, was great. In that. How would you rank him? What's the what's the best one of the two you've seen? Probably the second one. I, okay. I thought the second one held together as a movie better. Yeah, I agree. And, and the effects had gotten better. Yeah, that's the great thing. I mean, Spider-Man was first option for a movie in the early seventies. And if they did mm. the movie then, they would have really sucked. <laughs> because, I mean, well, it would have looked like the TV show. The 70s, it would have looked like the TV show, exactly. Yeah. You know, and now, special effects have finally caught up mm-hmm. where you can do a Spider-Man movie, and it looks great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the the uh, the 70s doesn't hold up at all. You said you were worried about your uh, kinescope or whatever in your, your, your story. <laughs> when you got the 70s disco ball in an episode of Spider-Man, that's not too good. <laughs> oh, yes. Remember the, remember the episode of the Hulk where he leveled a disco? Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was one of my favorite episodes because he leveled a disco. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk smashed disco. Let's go. <laughs> Yay, Hulk. You go, Hulk. <laughs> uh, his la- George's last question is, uh, during your Avengers run, were you working towards making Hawkeye and She-Hulk a couple? It seemed like it based on the amount of time they spent arguing. No, no, they, they were just you know, bickering teammates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think of it as a couple, man, oh, man. He'd, and She-Hulk? She'd smash him. <laughs> that makes even less sense than Peter and Mary Jane. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, what, do, you, do you not like Mary Jane with Peter? I love Mary Jane with Peter, but not married. I mean, yeah. remember Cheers? Remember the yeah. TV show Cheers? Sa- Sam and Diane, yeah. Sam and Diane. Mm-hmm. And, and there were people who said, oh, they should get together. And I'm going, no, that would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst possible thing either of them could do. Yeah. And, and it was like, you know, Pete and Mary Jane, it's about the same thing. Great yeah. Characters, and, and they're great together, but don't marry them. Oh, my God. It, it eliminates the chemistry, I guess. I guess a little. It, it, it goes beyond eliminating the chemistry. They destroy each other. <laughs> Another show that, that, that from the eighties that had the similar problem is uh, Moonlighting. You remember oh, Moonlighting? Moonlighting? Yeah. They well, they got them together. A lot of problems, but, but yeah. Yeah, they got them together and it ruined the show. <laughs> Everything. Maybe, maybe because the two lead, uh, lead actors really didn't get along. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Getting them together, they had to act really hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Spider Boy from Scotland. Uh, hey, Uncle. Knew. Hey, Uncle Raj. How'd you get the Uncle Raj title? I, I see that on a few boards. That was just, just something that started. I had a message board on the old, old AOL boards one time called uh-huh. Ask Uncle Raj. Oh, okay. And it didn't last long because on, on the AOL boards, all people wanted to know is how much their comics were worth. <laughs> 
Well, how much do you think they're worth, Johnny? <laughs> well, does it have the tattoos in them or not? <laughs> <laughs> All uh, the tattoos, worthless. Oh, yeah, exactly. He says, uh, I thought your Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut story was really good, and also were the ones following the following issues with Cobra and Mr. Hyde. Oh, I forgot about the talk about those. Love those two. Uh, his question, just out of curiosity, I want to know what made you want to use an X-Men villain against Spider-Man? I was I was mainly just trying to, to come up uh, with opponents who could give him a, a really, really good fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, you know, what, Hulk was busy that week. Exactly. <laughs> See, Hulk and Spider-Man fights are two of my favorites because Hulk is my second favorite character. Uh-huh. And, and every time those two get together, I always yeah, love and, and Spider-Man is like, well, Spider-Man... Yeah, your challenge for today is staying alive. <laughs> exactly. Don't become in between the Hulk's toes. <laughs> oh, that's that's bad. Yeah. And back at Peter Parker's Spider-Man, I think the the reboot, uh, John Romita Jr. drew a Hulk Spider-Man fight that I still love to this day. Oh, so, yeah. I, I love it. Jr. does such a great Hulk. Mm-hmm. Just he like, does. Oh, my God. Look out. Didn't they, didn't they like... Level it all train during that story or something. Yep, yep, but that was on the yeah. cover. I love yeah. that issue. <laughs> yeah. oh, what a great story. Uh, Kane uh, says, Who's your favorite Spider Man villain? I'm gonna, I think I know it, but who's your second favorite? Isn't Vulture number one? Vulture's number one. Who's- number two, boy. Because there have been so many over the years. Mm-hmm. Second, uh. Hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just count things that I've come up with because that was my job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, well, I, yeah, I, I, I like the stories and they hold up pretty well, but see, I had to, to like spend long hours working on these things and, and meet deadlines that were crazy yeah. and all that other stuff. But so, right. uh, so it's hard to divorce that from the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe Electro. Yeah. Uh, Electro or Doctor Octopus. Craven the Hunter's up there, but because I haven't been that many stories with him, and he was killed off, and his son brought in. He was oh, he, he's he's going to get better. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. They all get better. <laughs> Craven had a great look, didn't he? He did. Well, but, but I don't think that could trans. Uh, I I don't think you'd do a guy in a loincloth on, on in a movie though. <laughs> yeah, and, and and there aren't many men who can pull off the, the leopard skin pedal pusher uh, look. You know. Yeah, I, I I can't see that. <laughs> You have to be really secure in your masculinity. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. One gust of wind, you're done. <laughs> uh, Kane also says, uh, asks, what is your favorite Spider-Man story of all time? Uh, it would be the, the Master Planner trilogy. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I think that everyone who has written Spider-Man since then has tried to do a story that's half, at least half that good. Mm-hmm. But the Master Planner story is probably the ultimate Spider-Man story. You know, three-parter, and, and, and Ditko's pacing in it is just just amazing, especially in, in the ultimate chapter when, when Spider-Man is trapped into that thing that's as, yeah. you know, as heavy as a locomotive, and you start off with the small panels, and he's trying, and he's straining, and he, and he, knows, he knows he has to get out if that needs <laughs> to be saved, right. and the panels get bigger and bigger and bigger until he does the ultimate... Push and gets it off of him. <laughs> it's just just an amazing story. It's funny. I actually on my desk right now. I have a little PVC figure that they released in the '90s, where it's Spider-Man lifting up a little piece of that metal. Or, oh, that, that's great. And and not many people know re, re, that's from that issue. I think yeah. <laughs> when I saw that PVC for sale, I was like, I got to get that. That's from the Master Planner. <laughs> uh, Kane's last question is: If you could write any Marvel title right now, what would you choose? Well, let's see. Aside from from the Hulk story I just wrote, 
mm-hmm. and the Spider-Man story I'm writing. Well, I'd love to write more Spider-Man stories, of course. We uh, would too. <laughs> and, and, and aside from that, I don't know, probably a new title because everything else is spoken for, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I, pretty much. I, 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 I hate to, to like knock someone off their job. You know, it's like, yeah, I'd like to fire this guy. He sucks. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. You know, even if even if it's someone who, who's who's writing stories that you don't like, they're putting a lot of work into this. Yeah, <laughs> their livelihood. And you think he could? Uh, you know, Doctor Strange doesn't have his own book. You think you would like to return to Doctor Strange? That might be fun it, yeah. it, with with the right artist. Not everyone can draw Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, they can draw Doctor Strange, but getting it across. Mm. I, I mean, I've been lucky. I, I worked with a lot of, of great artists on Doctor Strange. You know? Yeah, you know, Marshall w- w- was always amazing. Uh, you know, Michael Golden is good, but doesn't really do regular gigs. Yeah, you know, and I, I want something, someone you know, really, that I, I want someone when that that good who'd be there every month. Yeah, and Strange is a hard sell too. He's never sold that. Yeah, it, it's it's rough because yeah. it's magic. People say, "Oh, you can just snap your fingers and do anything." Well, no. So you have to set up internal rules on how how it works. Right. And 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 most people, a lot of people, just won't accept magic. Oh, that's you know fantasy stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. Man, magic doesn't sell. That Harry Potter guy, flash <laughs> in the pan. Come on, give me a. No kid. That your Doctor Strange run is on my to buy list. I never have read. I haven't read your Doctor Strange, but. Um, uh, I want to get the back issues. They should collect, have they collected that stuff at all? And trade no, paperbacks? It, well, it, it's odd because the, the well, they have in Spain. Oh, uh, weird! Spain, weird. Love me there. But, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the 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 six issue run that I did with Marshall, we, we actually sort of designed so it could could be collected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, writing it so it would you know come out and every issue would make sense, but it also would fit together as a unit. Uh, but it's never been collected. Right. Except in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Fr- this is weird. In France, the, the title a lot of Spider-Man collectors want, they want to read the clone saga in a big, in a big collection. And in France they did it, but they haven't done it in uh, the United States, which makes oh, no God, sense. How huge would that be? You know, <laughs> be like omnibus because it was it went through all the the, the Spider-Man <laughs> titles. There were like what, what, three or four Spider-Man titles? Yeah. And a couple of mini-series and some specials. Mm-hmm. No kid. It must be close to a thousand pages. It probably be about three omnibuses, probably. But yeah, uh, you, don't drop you, it on your foot. <laughs> no, you could kill someone with that. <laughs> uh, Wombat909 from the United Kingdom says, Have you been watching the new Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon? And if so, what's your opinion of it? Well, I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. Okay. It, uh, it's very good. That, that oh, we, good. We interviewed uh, Greg Wiseman, the producer. I actually... I was geeking out last month because I got to interview the voice of Spider-Man. I interviewed the voice cool. actor, and I, I was just wow. <laughs> the, this, is, this is tell me it's better than that, that MTV series from a couple of years ago. Oh God, much better, much good, better. Good, good. And so I caught an episode two of that. and I'm going, what is this? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> this show actually so much, gets it. You know. This show gets it. Uh, Don Omar from Arkham Asylum. I don't know where in the United States that is. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Stern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mr. Stern, I just gotta say, I first read your Hobgoblin Lives miniseries back when I was in the second grade. Wow. Sorry. Uh, thank, you, thank you for making me feel very old. Yeah. He's now in college, and it's yeah. still one of my, my favorite Spider-Man. He, he's a doctor, and we'll be retiring soon, so. 
It's still one of my favorite Spider-Man arcs ever. My question is, what was your reasoning for the Revenge of the Green Goblin arc? Another one of my favorites you did way back when. Was it your idea or a thing Marvel told you to do in anticipation of the movie? We kind of tackled that one a little we bit earlier. We tackled that. You know, it was yeah. like, you know, Paul Howard and Ralph you know, called me up and says, we want to do this thing. And, and, uh, and so we did. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm sure that it's the Spider-Man movie you know, being on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it was in anticipation of that, but it was still didn't it come out a year or so before this first first movie? Uh, yeah, about two thousand two is when the movie came out, and then that miniseries yeah. came out in two thousand. Yeah, it came out in two thousand, so we, yeah. we were you know, a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, p- partly too, it was they, they wanted to you know, yeah, you know, well, we put Roman on the back burner for a while, time to bring him back in. Mm-hmm. So let's do it in a big way. Yep. Uh, slave eighty three B. You know, don't you love these handles? <laughs> I think I'll call myself, you know, butthead. You know, hi, I'll be <laughs> butthead three two nine. He's from uh, Pil- Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he says, "Mr. Stern, I'd like to start by saying thank you for taking time out to do this podcast, and I also thank you again." Uh, he kind of hits on a topic we discussed earlier also, uh, how you got the chance to fix one of your characters you did with Hobgoblin nearly 10 years after the original story wrapped up. Uh, he says, David Micheline uh, didn't have that chance for Venom. He re- have you heard the story about David's Venom? No, no, I haven't. He wanted Venom to be a woman. And he... he and she was pregnant, and something I, I hear uh, Spider-Man caused her to lose the baby while he was fighting Doc Ock or something like that, and then the suit got on her or something. I think – anyway, that never came to be. <laughs> and he says, uh, how did you get so lucky to be able to fix uh, something 10 years later? Uh, I was just lucky at being home when Glenn Greenberg and Tom Brevoort called me. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> actually, actually, Glenn and Tom had been after me for a while to do uh, – some stories for them. That they, mm-hmm. In fact, they approached me at one point about uh, writing. I think it was New Warriors, huh. and you know, I, I thanked them, but I think there'd been like something like fifty or sixty issues of New York Warriors by that point, and I hadn't read any of them. No. So, so <laughs> it, it would take me a while to, to get up to speed on this, so maybe you should get somebody else who already yeah. knows about it. Too. <laughs> are there any along the same lines? Are there some other books that you were offered that you regret, or you're glad you turned down? Uh Thinking back, I, I was offered Tarman and Iron Fist at one point. Iron? You mean like starting Iron Fist? Uh, no, no, for this was press? When, when the original series was still running. Okay, with Byrne. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, uh, past that, yeah, it was it was after yeah. Mary Jo Duffy's run, and and there were some other stories. Okay. And it, uh, it was offered me. But, oh, Power but, Man! Uh, Power Man Iron Fist. I thought you were just Power talking. Man to Iron Fist. Gotcha, gotcha. I didn't yeah, hear the Power Man. Power Man and Iron Fist, and it was one of these things where they didn't have an artist lined up for it. No. Like, well, you know, you're really need a good artist for this book. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. If we, if we if we if we go in not knowing who's going to draw it, that could affect things adversely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and and eventually, I, I you know, uh, yeah, Chris Priest and and and, and Mark uh, Bright worked on it and did a great job. Yeah. You know, but uh, <laughs> uh, but that that was offered me. I was trying to think of it. I was uh, a couple times at DC. I was offered to. Write the last couple of issues of a series, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you know, we decided to cancel this, and the, and the writer walks. So, do you want to write the last two issues? <laughs> uh, well, well, no, not. no, thank you. I'm good. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm busy. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> 
You know, someone I, I hadn't th- thought of, but you know, someone that you, a character you might, I don't know if you're familiar with, you, you, are you familiar with Deadpool? Deadpool. Uh, I've seen a couple of issues. I think you, uh, but, your humor would work good with him. Okay. But, <laughs> I don't know. If you say so, sir. <laughs> if you want Deadpool, you can have it. <laughs> if I was the editor. It's kind of an odd name. You know, we're going to have a character who's named after a Dirty Harry movie. Okay. <laughs> the last Dirty Harry movie, too. <laughs> Deadpool. That, that, that's, yeah. that sounds like, like someone who drowns a lot. My power is I drown every issue. You know, I, nice. I lure people to the pool, and then I, I drown them. <laughs> oh, there he goes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Crazy Chris has a question. He says, uh, a few of the comic storylines and characters you've created have been adapted in other media. What is your favorite adaption? Uh, probably the, uh, uh, the the Superman Doomsday DVD. Oh, you know, there, there was. I mean, they did basically took the basic idea of what we did with, with the death and life of Superman and, and uh, did their own uh, thing with it. And I thought it did a great job. Well, with the exception of Superman having freeze breath in there. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, Science says you're wrong if you believe that Superman can freeze things just by blowing on them. That's not the way it works. But you, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound with a guy that can climb walls and stick to them. So. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't read. I, I'm mainly I'm a Marvel guy. I haven't read your DC work. But uh, were you on that uh, DVD as a special feature? I hear. Is that what? Yes. What happened? That, that must be cool. Yeah, it was a documentary about uh, uh, the the whole making of. of uh, uh, the death of, and return of Superman yeah. uh, stories, and that, like, they went around, they interviewed everybody who was connected with. Him. Awesome. And the really great thing about it was, and I'd forgotten about this until I saw the finished documentary, is when we were plotting those original stories. You have to remember, we would, everyone, all the writers and artists, would get together once or twice a year in, in you know, a big room, usually without windows, and just like throw ideas around for a couple of days until we came up with like a, year, a year's worth of stories. Mm-hmm. And Brett Breeding who was working with uh, Dan Jurgens on, on Superman at the time, had just gotten a new camcorder. Mm. And, and he brought it along and, and, and just recorded some of it, of us you know, cutting up and, and doing stuff. And they were able to, to use that in the documentary. So oh, cool. Like, you know, and here's how we looked back then. Notice how we had <laughs> bad haircuts. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. I'm going to have to get that. I, I haven't seen that DVD. So in fact, I'm on, I'm on two DVDs. Oh, I'm, yeah. on, I'm on that DVD. And there's a, a boxed, boxed set called the Ultimate Superman Collection, I think. So oh. Big steel. Oh, I have. Uh, no, I have that. Thing. I yeah. have that. Okay, I, I'm on disc 13. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a documentary uh, uh, on awesome. disc 13 about Superman, and I'm on that uh, for a couple of minutes. That's awesome. That's that's claim to fame, disc 13. Here I am. I'm on disc 13. There you go. I'm, I'm going to have to pull that out. I don't remember seeing you. That. I don't think I watched that documentary. There's uh, a lot of discs on that thing. I don't think I've finished gotten yeah. all the way through all of this. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, don't drop that on your foot either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like all the movies, yeah. and I think all the Fleischer cartoons are on, mm-hmm. like the best prints available, and, and, yeah. and, and all sorts of like making ofs and, and alternate cuts and things. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. It's great. This isn't a question from the, the board, but who's who do you like better to write, Spider-Man or Superman? Well, it's hard to say because they're, like, yeah. they're two different – uh, two different situations. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed both of them. You know, yeah. I, I wrote more Superman stories because I was on the book for almost ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and and have written uh, the character in a couple of novels. Right, uh, and so you know, it's like it, it's a di- it's a different kind of story. Yeah, you 
He, he's not he's so e- everymanish, uh, or yeah. smart guy in your class, as you said. Smart guy in the class, yeah. uh, and, and you know, you know here, and here's the strange visitor from another planet, yeah. who luckily was brought up right. Exactly. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to think about that. No kidding. He'd be like Sluthor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, imagine, imagine, you know, you know the, the rocket being found by, oh, say, Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't want to live in that world. You know? Well, it'd be a really bad reality show that Clark would be hosting. <laughs> Ooh, that's terrible. That's terrible. You know, I, in doing research on you, you, you wrote a Smallville. You had an involvement with Smallville. Did you write yeah, something? I, I, I wrote uh, when when Smallville hit. It was a huge success for what was in the WB, right. uh, and uh, Warner Books decided, you know, we should capitalize on this, and uh, they did a, a series of original novels based on the uh, on on the characters and, and the continuity of the TV series. Yeah. And I wrote the first one in, yeah. in the series, which, which was okay. called Strange Visitors, and uh, the it was interesting because they'd written like half the first season. Mm-hmm. Not knowing if it was going to be re- picked up or not, and the first couple episodes hit were a huge hit. So uh, Alan Miles were given the uh, go ahead to finish the series. So you know, like they're a third of the way into the series, and they have to finish writing the first season. Right. So they were going crazy getting these things done. <laughs> so uh, I was able to uh, uh, have a little phone conference with Al Goff and, and find out. You know, while I could do what they would prefer me not to do, so there were no Krypton scenes, okay, no Krypton scenes. <laughs> and uh, as a favor, they were sending me copies of the teleplays as they were being written. So mm-hmm. I was getting scripts, you know, like a package of scripts every week. You know, and here's the blue copies, these supersede the, the orange copies, which supersede <laughs> the, the, the pink copies. And, okay, you know, wow. This, this character who, who was the boyfriend is now the brother, and this character isn't dead anymore, and we're moving this guy over there. Wow. Okay. So I, 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 I was. This is all coming in while I'm working on my story. <laughs> so I decided, okay, it's happening between episode seven and eight because I know where all the characters are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you you've written some DC prose work. I think uh, Spider-Man prose work for you would be great too. That, that would be fun. In fact, I was I was offered mm-hmm. uh, a Spider-Man novel at one point. And yeah. I forget who the publisher was. They, Bi- they Byron Priest was it back then. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they offered uh, offered me about a third of what I was paid on the other stuff. And going, Aww. you know, for, for this <laughs> I could I could write two comic books and get the same amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> so so thank you, but goodbye. They're they're under new management now. I I yeah, think, well, think Pocket is. Pocket Books does the Marvel oh, books that'd now. That'd be good. I I'd read it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crazy Chris's last question is: What's your favorite Spider-Man story from the past five years? Well, I really don't have an answer for that because until the brand new day uh, stories came along, I hadn't read an issue of Spider-Man in about seven years. Okay. So, yeah. I don't have any. Sorry. Brand new day stuff. Brand new day. Yeah. Uh, brand new day. Starting over. Okay. I think I'll start. You know. And I'll know what's going on. Hey, well, I like this. Exactly. While we're on that topic, what's your what's your take on that? You have a single Spider-Man again. It's kind of. Uh, they aren't calling it a reboot, but you know it's it's kind of harkening back to the the eighties and the seventies, etc. It's sort of refined things, but it's taking place now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's still like after the Civil War and all that other stuff that's been going on, and right. and the Skrull invasion is is about to take place. So it, it's happening now. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's things things were in a bit of a pickle. You know, uh, yeah. th- things weren't working out anymore, and they had to do something. If 
I would have almost said, you know, just have them get divorced. Mm-hmm. Because I heard the argument, well, the next some old guys. They're going, no, I'm an older guy, and all the divorced people I know divorced really young because they got married too young. Yeah. And so they got divorced, you know. They yeah. got married, and they're going, well, this was a mistake, and then they're divorced. And they're still young. They're still in their mid-20s. Mm-hmm. But most of the people who I know who are divorced, that's what happened. Uh, so that would have been... Uh, uh, that would have been an out. The problem was, as I see it, is they had Spider-Man reveal his identity. Yeah. You know, if you have Spider-Man reveal his identity, that well, that sort of screws the pooch. <laughs> not to put too fine a, 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 a spin on it, but, but you know, that's like, classic. You know, here, guys, here's something you can't just explain away. <laughs> you got to you got to erase this or or back something up or do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. You know, you, you can't. I mean. It wouldn't be healthy for Spider-Man. <laughs> no, Screw in the pooch. That's quote of the night. I like that Screw one. <laughs> um, also, um, the the other uh, uh, argument for it is that you could get them. Uh, you could kill Mary Jane, which I think would be. I don't like when no, they kill no classic that. characters. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. That, that, that's that, that's that's screwing two pooches. That's that's too easy a way out, you know. Yeah. And, and it's just. It's, it, that, and that makes it like every uh, girl that Spider-Man uh, goes out with something terrible happens to yeah. her. You know, it's just like, no, 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 that's, that's not healthy. Uh, Scarlet Spider 1138 from Calgary. Uh, he asks, he went. he went to Calgary. <laughs> Bring back Ben. No, he's up he in did. Canada. Uh, screw in the pooch. Uh, are you, <laughs> uh, are you enjoying what Tom DeFalco has been doing with Roderick on Spider Girl? Have you been enjoying Spider Girl and would you ever consider writing for it? Well, I, okay, I said I haven't seen that much of Spider Girl. I think yeah. Ron sent me the last few issues of the previous run and they were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, why would you want me to write Spider Girl? I mean, that's why would why would you want anyone other than Tom to write it? It's really yeah. his baby, and he's he's done such a great job over these years. Yeah, he's going on 120 issues, solid. That's so, great. That's yeah. wonderful. Uh, Lockdown from Illinois. Uh, <laughs> Roger, what would it take for you to write a Goblin War starring Norman Osborn, Roderick Kingsley, Phil Urich, Menace, and the Demogoblin above the streets of New York with only one, uh, with only Spider-Man able to stop them? <laughs> well, it, it would, it would take, you know, probably Steve Wacker calling me up and says, would you do this please? <laughs> you know, well, as long as they didn't have to use Demogoblin, you know, they go, oh, yeah. if, if you like him, you know, sorry guys doesn't do much for me you know yeah. like him and venom you know if, if you want to, if you want to leave the business say you have to write a venom demo goblin miniseries or or you never work again going, I, well yeah we'd like fries with that yeah no yeah. doubt whatever i don't even remember what happened to demo demo goblin he wasn't he like banished to another reality or something i i, I, I think it's so it's been so long i, <laughs> I don't remember know. Yeah, that was like going to the well once again. <laughs> I mean, like he he was he was so ugly. I mean, yeah, like he he makes Menace look dashing. <laughs> uh, Herman uh, twenty two says, Roger, I've always loved the Hobgoblin and his costume, so I have a few questions. How did the creation of the Hobgoblin come about, and did it change at all from what you first came up with compared to what ended up with the character in the end? Well, you, can, you talked about how you want a goblin villain back. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, this was my way of, of meeting people halfway, because yeah. all these guys wanted the goblin back. I mean, it's like, it was a period, like, the readers wanted to see all the old villains return. Mm-hmm. And I mean all of them. Like, yeah. every character is, is someone's favorite. You know, we'd get requests for the return of the grizzly. 
Oh, gosh. Believe it or not. <laughs> honest to God. Why don't you bring back those great stories with the kangaroo? That's because there were never any good stories with the kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it never occurred to me to, like, resurrect the Green Goblin. That would have been a little too weird for Spider-Man, I think, at that point. Yeah. It was, that'd, be like, that'd be like the Tinkerer being an alien from outer space. But, uh, <laughs> who knows? It could be a scroll now. Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, who knows? Yeah, and, you know, I've already sort of gone over how, how I didn't really consider Harry the Green Goblin. He was right. psychotic. He thought he was the Green Goblin. Yeah. And, and, and he shrink. He was psychotic. He thought he was the Yeah. So it was, it was trying to, to, like, come up with a new villain who would use enough of, of the Goblin shtick to satisfy people who wanted the Goblin back. Right. And, right. and I wanted to do a guy who, who wasn't clinically insane. Yeah. It was, I mean... When someone when someone is, is is crackers as Norman was, you know it, it, it's it, it's too easy. You know, yeah. It's, it's just like, why is he? You can have people will will have people do the most bizarre things. Why is he doing that? Well, he's crazy. Well, that's easy <laughs> out. Because I said but, so. There you go. That's yeah, what your par- so. yeah, your parents well, always you know. use. The parents always used to use that. Because I said so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sergio from Austin, Texas says, "Was there ever a story during your run on Amazing Spider-Man you wanted to tell but never got to?" Yes, and it's the one I'm writing next. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, coming soon to a comic shop near you. Yeah. Uh, has there ever been a piece of? Has there ever been any form of art, being it comic book movies or books, that have moved you emotionally? Oh yeah. All of those things. I mean, they're, they're comics and, and movies and books and songs. Mm-hmm. They'll make you laugh or cry or and kiss Tim Buck goodbye. <laughs> what's what's a comic that moved you emotionally? Uh, there's been there's been a lot a lot a lot that Stan has written. Yeah, have, have been like uh, really very touching. And uh, Denny O'Neill wrote that great you know Batman story. There's no hope in, hope in crime alley. Mm. I haven't read that one. It's it's a wonderful story. It's been in a lot of collections. Look for it. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, really beautifully moving. And you know, there's there've there been comics that scared me. <laughs> you know, the, the late Tom Sutton wrote this this really creepy story for Charlton called mm-hmm. the Terrible Teddy. Oh wow! Is, but but this this uh, this guy who's like killed someone being pursued by the little girl's teddy bear. Wow! Oh. You know, kind of like and, an homage to Chucky. <laughs> Except this, was, except this was done back in the early seventies. This yeah. like predates Chucky by, by something. Yeah. It, it is just creepy as hell. Yeah. And, and Bernie writes into this story with, with Bruce Jones for uh, it was either creepy or eerie. Mm-hmm. Called, it's called Jennifer. Yeah. About about this 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 girl it, it will, will just just keep you up at night. It's yeah. just like uh <laughs> Do you, you ever see that Twilight Zone with uh, Talking Tina? Oh, I remember talking to yeah. Talking yeah. Tina. Tell it was Telly Savalas the star of that one. I think he was. He might have been. Yeah. yeah that's anyway, that period. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, we're going off on a tangent. Very much. <laughs> oh yeah. The Simpsons is a parody of that with, with the evil Krusty doll. I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, Craig Bayfield from London says uh, during the '90s cartoon, Hobgoblin was used as the main goblin of the show, and it was voiced by Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. What? So are, are you a Star Wars fan at all, and how did it feel to have the character you co-created brought to the screen by the famous Jedi? Well, I, I haven't seen it. I uh, wasn't aware of it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as Star Wars goes, like like the first movie, which I guess is the fourth movie, a lot. Right. And the, the, other, the others, less so. Uh, yeah. 
the more recent ones have been more like thrill ride than movie. But yeah. that, that first movie, you know, A New Hope, just a great, great picture. Yeah. Probably you've seen it, you know, a couple dozen times. Yeah. And you said you haven't seen much of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon? No, I haven't really seen any of them. They must have run it sometime where I wasn't around or it was some channel we didn't get or something. Who knows? Well, they, they kind of played loose and fast with the continuity because they introduced the Hobgoblin first and then uh, Norman and the Green Goblin. So okay. I always thought... <laughs> I was like, that's really ba- that's that's really backwards. <laughs> uh, Michael Bailey, our good friend from Georgia, says, uh, "What what was what were the first Spider-Man comics you read?" The very first one I got was Amazing Spider-Man number forty. Of course, the second part of a two-part story. It was a Goblin, huh? It <laughs> you was started, goblin, with, the, started it, with the John, Goblin. John wrote me the second second issue. <laughs> and it took me like three or four years to find a, a back issue. Uh, of, of 39 to read the first part of it. But, of course, this was Stanley and John Romita. Yeah. And it was written so that even though I didn't have the first part of it, I knew exactly what was going on. It was brought right up to speed. It was a great story. Mm-hmm. And ar- around the same period, uh, I, I, I found the uh, it was a Spider-Man paperback published by Lancer Books, which mm. had a uh, duel with Daredevil and the origin of Spider-Man and a lot of other great stories in there. That was, that was neat. And around the same period... Uh, that Marvel Tales, I think it was issue four, that had the, the second uh, Vulture story in it. Ah. Like in rapid succession, those three things. Yep. Oh, great. Wow. He also asked, what was appealing to you about the character? Well, I, in, in, I was in high school, and I identified a lot with Peter Parker, because I was a high school science student, and in those days, I looked like I was drawn by Steve Ditko. <laughs> like, oh, it's a book about me. This is great. <laughs> it's autobiography. I didn't even write it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's cool. So you, you you were like all of us. You could relate to Peter Parker. Yeah. 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 And I, I was the science. I was I was the smart kid in my class. I know. I mean, <laughs> you sat in the front, right? <laughs> Not in the back. Usually, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Michael's last question is, uh, finally, because I have to, would you ever want to write a one-shot Superman, Spider-Man story like you did with the very awesome Hulk Superman you did back in the late 90s? Uh, actually, uh, that was once in the works. Really? Uh, I, I was going to, to write a Superman Spider-Man book, and uh, John Byrne was going to draw it. Oh wow! And I was I was starting to work up the plot, but then, you know, the cosmic axis shifted, and it was sort of put on the back burner for a while because they were in. The, this was just around the time of uh, Spider-Man uh, and Peter Parker relaunches. <laughs> John was John was drawing. Spider-Man book and J.R. was drawing the Peter Parker book. Yeah. Yeah. And it was around that period, and because they were relaunching things and reestablishing things, we, we, should, we thought we should all put this on the back burner until the new status quo was established. Right. And then as things moved along, Marvel and DC decided they didn't want to do any more crossovers, yep. and so it never, never came to pass, yep. was, which was too bad because it would have been fun. So you've got, least you've, got that, you've got that story in your, in your desk drawer somewhere. Yeah. You know, and, well... <laughs> It's a little difficult because it was the the, the, the the sort of subplot was going to be young marrieds, and uh, if Pete and Mary Jane aren't married anymore, well, it's going to be something different. Uh, <laughs> and at, Michael, at least I got to write the, the Hulk Superman uh, book there before the plugs were pulled. So. Was Steve, Steve Rude the artist on that? Yeah. Yeah, that, it was a beautiful book. I remember that one. He was great. Was just, yeah. There, there were scenes I put in just because I knew that Steve would draw them beautifully. <laughs> the, the scene with. Uh, with uh, Rick Jones trying to pick up Lois Lane at, 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 yeah. at the drive-in. <laughs> I'm going, he's, uh, he's going to draw curb girls 
with drum major hats. I just know it. And he did, yeah. <laughs> nice. On roller skates. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and Superman orders, a, you know, a root beer float. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next question is kind of we talked about the spider marriage a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And one more day. We're, we'll uh, not go over that one more time. Uh, what's uh, Spider-Man Hero 12 says, what Spider-Man story do you think has had the most impact on the Spider-Man stories and on fans? Well, that's really hard to say. I would like to think it was the Master Planner story. Yeah. But it's probably the death of Gwen Stacy and the mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah. Uh, which sort of turned Spider-Man on his ear in a couple of different directions in a couple of different periods. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, been, in, it's been, it's been the 800-pound gorilla in the room ever since. Yeah, since 87. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were writing Amazing Spider-Man today, would you use a lot of the classic villains? Some of them, probably, yeah. Like the Vulture? <laughs> Vulture, certainly. Like yep. the Vulture, you know. Uh, uh, Norman is still alive in whatever continuity is out there these days, so, so doubt. I assume he would be back. No uh, one's done anything with Dr. Octopus in quite a while, have they? No, it's been... The movie. Yeah, he was in a lot of books with the movie, and I hated the redo in the books that they did because they gave him like a six-pack and like an emo haircut. Doc Ock is a fat guy in a green suit, you know, with arms. (laughs) I wouldn't call him fat, but he's big-boned. The kingpin's (laughs) (laughs) big-boned. The kingpin is just big. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Capel 2000 from Brazil. Wow. Uh, what's your least favorite Spider-Man story? We kind of talked about your favorite already. Yeah. What's your least favorite? I don't really consider least favorites. You know, if if, if I, if I don't like a story that I react, I try to put it out of my mind. Yeah. Unless I have to deal with it and I try to figure out how to deal with it. (laughs) uh, Exactly. Uh, if you could change anything on your Spider-Man run, what would it be? Wish I could have worked more with Tom and and JR and, and Ron Friends. Mm-hmm. Great guys to work with, and working with them inspires you to do better stuff. Yeah. Uh, would you, Zarius? Uh, we don't have where he's from, but uh, he says, "Would you like to contribute to an Ultimate Spider-Man story?" Have you been following? I'd rather write about the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Have you been following Ultimate at all with Bendis' stuff? No. Someone gave me a copy of of the first issue, which I guess was part of a, a you know. Uh, free comic book day special or something like that, and I'm going. Well, this is interesting, but yeah, he's not even coming yet. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, uh, Zarius's last question is: Do you think Spidey works better as an infinite uh, series of finite reboots every thirty years, do you, or do you think he's better off being a variety of timelines? Well, well, first off, I'd like to point out that Spidey was a character who appeared in a, in a comic called Spidey Super Stories. <laughs> it, was, it was produced by uh, Electric or PBS, the Electric, the Electric Company, PBS, yeah. and Marvel. And he always spoke in very short sentences, <laughs> and, and 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 there were certain words he couldn't use because they had too many syllables. In them. <laughs> and I never really cared that much for him. But Spider-Man, on the other hand, uh, if, if you do it right, you don't need to reboot him. Yeah. Yeah, unless unless you have an uh, the three the six hundred pound gorilla like you said with the marriage. Yeah, yeah. With, with this, or, or hi, I just unmasked on TV. <laughs> oh boy, 
wish you hadn't done that. Cue yeah. the video of screwing the pooch, yeah. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, Irish lad from Dublin, Ireland, and his avatar is a big uh, uh, glass of Guinness. Well, here's the user. Yeah, exactly. And his secret invasion banner is, I trust Guinness. So yeah, there you go. I'm uh, with you. There you go. Irish lad, you got a drinking partner in the future. Yes, we go here. Uh, hi, Roger. Uh, likes many of uh, the other posters on the message board. I'm a great admirer of your work, particularly Spider-Man. So here are my questions. In a recent Newsarama interview, you said, quote, it's great to see a Spider-Man comic that reads so true. After all these years, unquote, I would agree with this, but could you elaborate on what you think is making the new direction the truest it's been in so many years? It's hard to put your finger on it. Uh, Spider-Man, well, Peter Parker, how shall I put this? He's just acting like himself again, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he hasn't in a very long time. Uh, it, it seemed almost in, in some of the stories that I've, 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 I've seen in, in Every once in a while, people would, would well, look at this thing. Why is he acting so old? Well, he's an old Barry guy now. <laughs> no, they're, they're in their early 20s. You know, it's like, yeah. he shouldn't be acting like he's 40. He's not 40. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you want to go by real time, uh, Spider-Man is 61. <laughs> there was an early story, I, I think, believe it was the annual that, uh, that established that, that his parents had been secret agents. Oh. There was, a, there was a throwaway thing on a newspaper clipping that he'd been born in... Uh, 1947. Oh, okay. See, I was thinking of... 1961, this, yeah. this year, boys and girls. People think and, it's 1962, but he was a teenager in 62. He was, he, he was, he was 15 in 1962. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, this people say, what well, these characters should age in real time, starting with when I started reading them. Well, you know, <laughs> unless you were there from the first issue, yeah, and, oh. and do we really want to see a 61-year-old bald Peter Parker in a Spider-Man suit? Probably exactly. not. No, I don't think so. Yeah. The, in fact, some years ago, uh, Tom Brevoort and I were talking about doing a series of five or six one shots on the sort of banner Marvel Real Time. <laughs> you know, and it would, you know, here's how the character would be today yeah. if he had aged in real time. Yeah. You know, and to show you how long ago this was, uh, Peter was coming up on his. 54th birthday. You know, so, uh, <laughs> so it's been a while since then. You know, and, but other things, you know, what would the X-Men be like if they aged in real time? What would this character be like if they aged in yeah. real time? And, and, you know, it's like, is this what you really want? Yeah, no doubt. Really be, exactly. Shut the, and, and shut the critics up, yeah. <laughs> uh, Irish Lads, uh, the question is, in Comic Book Creators on Spider-Man, that was a good book that DeFalco put out. I like that one. Yes, it it's interesting. Uh, in... There was supposed to be a picture of me. Instead, there was a second picture of Howard Mackey identified as me. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't yeah. notice that. Uh, uh, there's two <laughs> pictures of there's, for, for Howard Mackey's second, there's a picture of Howard Mackey, and for my second, there's a picture of Howard Mackey. Oh, that's Wait, funny. Uh, in that book, he says, you said, or you said that you hadn't read Spider-Man consistently in years because while well-written, the books didn't really say anything to you. So the question is, up to what point did you read Spider-Man consistently, and when or why did you feel it wasn't for you anymore? I really stopped reading when it became clear that they were going to uh, shoehorn Pete and Mary Jane into a wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I think I, I read up to the issue before what the annual or whatever it is they got married. And twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one. And, and I didn't read another Spider-Man comic until I started doing the research for Hogwarts Lives. Wow. And then I read the, the comics pretty regularly until about the year two thousand. 
Okay. Uh, do you find it flattering that some people are saying that Brand New Day is trying to get back to that Roger Stern feel to the title? <laughs> that's very, very, very flattering, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's more accurate to say it's tr- they're trying to get back to a Spider-Man or a Stan Lee feel. Mm-hmm. You know, which, which is, well, it's the same thing. <laughs> and also in that comic book creators on Spider-Man, you said you would never have married Pete and Mary Jane, though that wasn't to say you would not have married Pete to someone. Do you think the character works better as a single person, and where do you now see Mary Jane's place in the Spider-Man universe? I think there's a, a lot to uh, Pete being the single guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it makes his life more erratic, and that's sort of what the strip is about. Uh, before I left, I was starting to give some thought to introducing a new romantic interest, someone that people would have a lot more in common with than Mary Jane, and yeah. would be someone he could conceivably marry someday down the road, but that would be way in the future. Right. Because Mary, it's a big step well, for anybody, but for these characters especially. And I, I don't think that Pete was or or is anywhere near ready you know, to be to be married. There's there's really no one in his life. I mean, the people have said, "Well, Mary Jane was the girl next door and everything." <laughs> no, the first movie made Mary Jane and the girl next door is sort of a composite of herself and the better parts of Gwen and a few other characters. Yeah. But Mary Jane was the party girl, man. Yeah. She was like never stopped. You know, you never knew when she was going to show up. You never knew when she was going to leave. Yeah. So, so I never thought that, that Mary Jane, or, or really Gwen for that matter, were, were the right girl for Pete. You know, right. <clears throat> Gwen Stacy's death made her, like, you know, the holy virgin Gwen here, <laughs> who, who was the ideal woman uh, you know, for Peter Parker. And people who think that weren't around for the whole run. They've forgotten how nasty Gwen was to begin with. Yeah. And she wasn't the most stable like she was she, she'd be all lovey-dovey one moment and get your hands off me the next you know she yeah. was, was very mercurial uh and and, and a little strange mm-hmm. so I, I was never no. never thought that, you know just prior to you know the death had been this long period where they'd been you know on the outs you know and they'd just gotten back together and then and the death thing came along right so i mean it's not like clark kent and lois lane I mean, right. they were made for each other. <laughs> they been the very first story there has been Clark and Lois. So uh, I, think, I think Mary Jane works best as in, in the role that I was trying to develop for, the, where she was Pete's old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, they were once close, but, but now they're friends, and nothing's ever going to change that. Right. Uh, Hi, Jeremia555 from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, he's wondering, since most people bring up the Hobgoblin and the Juggernaut stories, if you had a particular story you wrote that you're proud of that you don't get asked about a lot. No one particular story. I, I, I really like them all. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Cobra and Hyde stories, uh, there's an issue called uh, Daydreamers, where all the characters are sort of like daydreaming about what their lives are like, and, and so there's these strange ideal ver- idealized versions. Oh, oh I, I enjoyed all of them. <laughs> <laughs> the date. What what issue was the Daydreamers? I don't remember that one. Uh, Daydreamers, I think, was a couple issues after the Kid Who Collects Spider Man. Okay. It, it, the, 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 the cover is uh, Jay Jonah Jameson punching Spider Man out. Oh, gotcha. Got it. Two forty nine, I think. If I'm. That's a, no, I think it was think... more like two forty seven. Okay. Or two forty eight. Oh, gotcha. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, Rufus T. Firefly from Montgomery, oh, Illinois. <laughs> from Montgomery, Illinois. He says, uh, during your run on Amazing, you used the Mad Tinkerer for an issue and hinted that he would be back. Had you stayed on the book, would you have used him again? The Mad Tinker? Uh, I didn't have any firm plans, but, but I probably would have brought him back. You know, mm-hmm. if, if there weren't any, you know, I'd, I'd check with the Fantastic Four office. You do anything with, with Thinker? No, you can use him. Fine. Because <laughs> uh, it was just, the sort of, you know, like, crazed mastermind uh, who, like, tries to figure out every angle and can't figure out Spider-Man. Right. Spider-Man crazy. Uh, he also has a non-Spidey-related question. Uh, well, uh, you're going to have to help me with Monica's last name. Rabu? Is that how you say it? Rambo. Ra- really? That's Rambo? Yes, that's, that's how it's pronounced, yes. <laughs> Monica yes. Rambo. Rambo, uh, Captain Marvel Part 2. <laughs> Uh, he says she kind of drifted around since your days on the Avengers. Do you still keep tabs on her, and would you be willing to return and tell more stories about Monica Rambeau, a.k.a. Captain Marvel? Well, if, if I had a, a free hand to, to restore her to, to you know, the sort of promise I think she deserves and, and the right ours, sure. It'd be, mm-hmm. be fun. We need to decide what her name's going to be. Is there, Every time you know, they change their name, someone else t- takes it. <laughs> <laughs> She was in. I didn't read it, but uh, Next Wave. I think she was in Next Wave. Yeah, she's. I, I haven't read those uh, those either, but I'm, I'm aware of that series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tech from St. Louis, Missouri, my home state. There we go. Uh, let me start by uh, echoing the se- sentiments of Michael Bailey. I eagerly await this podcast. So you got a lot of fans. Yeah. Uh, when will we see more volumes of the Roger Stern Visionaries? Well, that's up to Marvel. I guess it depends on how well the first one sold. Yeah, I haven't heard yet, but I, I'm sure signed a lot of them at conventions. How many? How many are we up to? Do we just have the one, or are we up to two? That's the, that's the first one so far. Yeah. Okay. When did that come out? That came out uh, last year. Okay. I think in late summer. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, he also asked, any tips on inspi- for inspiring comic book writers? Well, uh, I'll. I'll I'll tell you what I told Newsarama. If you want to write comics, then write. Mm-hmm. And, and the medium doesn't matter. You can write for your local newspaper, add to advertising, write on the Internet, whatever. Just do the work and hone your craft. You know, you're, you're probably not going to get paid for it at first, but if you want to write, you know, write. Right. And, so, and look into all the new media. And, yep. and don't quit your day job. <laughs> I wrote radio commercials for a living and contributed to small papers and and newsletters and comics fanzines before I got my first job at Marvel. Uh, there's a lot of writers out there now who first got experience working in motion pictures or television. Uh, Gail Simone wrote a, blog, wrote a blog about comics that gained a lot of, of notice. Mm-hmm. But if you want to write comics, you have to be a writer first, so you know, write anything, whatever. You know, like I said, I wrote commercial copy, which is great training for fiction. Because in most cases, you're convincing people that they really need something that they don't really need. Nice. You know? or, or, or at most, you buy that brand of toothpaste, you should be buying this brand over here. This is better. Uh, his last question is, uh, what do you think of the three times a month shipping schedule of Amazing Spider-Man? I think it's a great idea. Why not do it weekly? We did it with Superman. Yeah. And this is even better with, with writers doing like three or four issue arcs of stories. And then the next team takes over, and then the next team is sort of like a, a relay race. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea. And you get more uh, Spider-Man out there all the time. No doubt. Uh, Matisse Lion, Leonhardt uh, from Clearwater, Florida. Dear Mr. Stern, it's such an honor to talk to a legend like yourself. You're getting that legend 
title. Look at that. <laughs> in his own mind. Here. There you go. Uh, what do you like or not like about the Black Cat character? Will we see her in one of your issues? Uh, no plans for the cat yet, but I, I love me the Black Cat. You know, I, I see the Black Cat as Spider-Man's old, old girlfriend as opposed to Mary Jane, who's Peter's old girlfriend. Right. We get done. I wasn't really interested in Peter Parker. She was interested in Spider-Man. Right. Didn't know he was Peter Parker at first. Yeah. Yeah. But she's sort of like a, a Will Eisner sort of femme fatale sort of thing. Sort of, sort of like, yeah. she, she's sort of Peter's sans serif character. Mm-hmm. And she'd show up, she, should, she should show up long enough to, to complicate his life and then disappear again. Yeah. And then turn up again at the most inopportune moment. Tell you what, this yeah, this nerd that's a science nerd sure does get at the attractive women, doesn't he? <laughs> it's, it's, the, you know, it's the, you know, well, Peter Parker is, is really unlucky with women. That's why they keep lining up. What? <laughs> I think that's his uh, second power. He, he can attract the hotties. Well, maybe. <laughs> uh, Bertone Beetle uh, from Newport, Ritchie, Florida, says in issue uh, 238 of Amazing, he gave us a dangling plot thread that was never picked up on. It was Aunt May's line about losing a child. What was your plan? Uh, well, if I ever get to follow up on that, we'll see. Okay. There's, there is a story there, though. Right. Uh, in, a, in a later issue of yours, you had all the characters share their daydreams. We were just talking about that. You gave us a, you gave us a glimpse of Mary Jane's sister and kids before DeFalco did. How much of DeFalco's story of a Mary Jane's family he later told came from you? Good bit of it. I, uh, I worked out a, a whole outline of when I decided to bring Mary Jane back into the series. Came up with this outline of her, her past relationships and, and, and her family, with her, especially with her family. You know, to, to sort of be like, okay, here's Mary Jane, the party girl. Mm-hmm. How do you get to be that way? You know, and yeah. uh, my, my lovely wife Carmela uh, was a good bit of help. Uh, gave uh, some some invaluable input on that because one, she's a woman. And uh, to went to a women's college, so she had met a lot of people, a lot of women from a lot of different backgrounds, and yeah. that helped us put together the bits and pieces that made uh, Mary Jane's background. Right. So you know, when when uh, Tom came on the book, they said, "Would you mind if I, because I give him a copy of the outline, because here's what I want to do." He says, "Would you mind if, if we use that?" I said, "No, no, go ahead, you know, please." Mm-hmm. And so I was happy to, to, to for him to, to carry it on, and of course he and Ron. Fleshed out things considerably, yeah. put their own spin on things, and I think they, they established uh, more about some of the relatives. I think I think they gave them the names. I don't recall if, if we'd come up with all the names. Other than, mm-hmm. I, I know I'd named uh, Mary Jane's sister. Mm-hmm. Other than that, and her parents, or hadn't done mm-hmm. that yet. So. Uh, Spider Craft from Novi, Michigan. Uh, says, recently Peter David brought back Deb Whitman, and although she has been put back in the limbo, this is the first time she's had a major role in years. Did you read that issue, and if not, what do you think of, in general, the idea of bringing back uh, Deb after all this time? I uh, haven't seen it, but, you know, hey, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she went back to wherever it is she came from, so why not have her show up? Well, she wrote a tell-all book about uh, her life with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he unmasked, she wrote a tell-all oh, book. That was Peter's oh, story. 
Uh, also, uh, Spidercraft talks about in the Secret War Brian Michael Bendis, uh, miniseries, uh, he brought a new unknown identity hobgoblin that seemed to try and ignore, at least in my mind, the use of Kingsley. How does that sound in the, and that there's another hobgoblin running around? You know, that, that hobgoblin hasn't been seen since that miniseries about three or four issues ago, or three or four years ago. Uh-huh. So. I, I, I didn't see it, so, you know. Okay. I, I'd have to know more about it before I could really. Okay. Uh, let's see, Scooter. Uh, he was a scroll. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, he says, you had mentioned that you had a Gwen clone story in mind back during your run. Would you ever consider revisiting that idea if you were given the chance? That was just sort of be goofing around. Oh, okay. <laughs> you come up with story ideas, and one of the things people would say, you know, Oh, Gwen, you know, and, and going, oh, give me a break about Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, she had a, cl- a clone, and she got on that bus and went away. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Can't <laughs> win. Uh, going back to the well too many times with Gwen, I think. Yeah. And, th- and then she had a kids with Norman Osborn. What's that about? I don't want to know what it's about. <laughs> Uh, our final question from the board, Leopard Lad. We have our final question, ladies and gentlemen. Here ding, 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 ding. Leopard, Leopard Lad from London says, Hey, Leopard Roger. Lad. Hey, Roger. Finally getting to enjoy your run through UK reprints, and I'm not yeah. disappointed. I heard somewhere that you recently did some work for Marvel UK, a.k.a. Pan- Panini Comics. Is that it? Panini, Panini, yes. Panini, what stories Panini. did you do, and how did you come about doing them? Uh, well, recent is sort of a relative term, because I... I I uh, wrote these stories back in 2004, which is going on four years ago now. Uh-huh. Uh, and basically I was contacted by uh, Tom O'Malley, who was the editor of a magazine called Marvel Rampage, mm-hmm. which is produced by Pini UK, which is part of the you know, sort of worldwide Marvel uh, network. And I wrote a three-part Spider-Man story and a three-part Hulk story for Marvel Rampage. They were short, you know, seven or eight-page stories, I think. Right. And... Uh, the Spider-Man strip ran in Marvel Rampage, I think issues 8 through 10, and the Hulk story in, in issues 12 through 14. Okay. And uh haven't haven't done anything since then because I got busy with the things here in the United States. Right. Well, I wish, they, I wish they'd, I'd wish they'd reprint those. I didn't have a chance to read those. Yeah, well, um, I mean, maybe if, if the, uh, the Visionaries thing continues, yeah. they could uh, put the, spy, the Spider-Man stories in there as sort of an, an added bonus feature or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, Roger. Let's, let's talk just a little bit before we go about what, what you have coming up. You have a Hulk book that just came out, I hear. Yes, uh, Giant Size Incredible Hulk number one, uh-huh. which is uh, it's, uh, 64 pages, no ads, well, except the inside covers, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, for for just three ninety nine, and there's a, a a brand new story by yours truly, uh, yep. called a mighty a raging fury that uh, is all about a fellow named Fred Sloan, who's an old supporting cast member from uh, the Hulk uh, series, who's he's writing a book about the Hulk and he's going around the country interviewing people who've had encounters with the Hulk, hmm. and their stories. So it's sort of part Rashomon, part Citizen Kane. <laughs> nice. Instead of looking for Rosebud, there's a lot of smashing going on. <laughs> Smash yeah. Rosebud. That that Smash sled Rosebud. that and sled is gone. gone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all gone, and that's a, a new 29-page story. Awesome. And uh, backing it up is uh, the uh, uh, story that I did with John Byrne for Hulk Angle Number Seven, mm-hmm. with Angel Nice Man fighting uh, Master Mold. 
Yep. That's, I remember that annual. Mm-hmm. And you also have the one issue of Amazing coming out in the future. One issue of Amazing uh, coming out. Mm-hmm. And there's a, another secret project that uh, I've been working on for some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll be announced later in the year. Is it Marvel and Spider-Man related? Uh, Spider-Man is in some of the stories. It, it is yeah. from Marvel, yes. Yeah. And if we want to see you on the brain trust of Spider-Man, if we want to see you as a regular writer, what do we do? How do how do we make this happen? Uh, buy more of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what Larry says, oh, I'd buy twice as many copies if Roger was writing it. There. <laughs> Would would you like to be on Amazing once again as the regular writer? Well, it's you know, I mean, I'd be you know one of many. I mean, it, yeah, you know, define regular. I mean, they got uh, already have quite a few guys lined up, but <laughs> and and they're good guys. I mean, as like I have a hard time just trying to decide what I like more from Mark Cunningham is Spider-Man stories or Eli Stone. You know? <laughs> No doubt. Well, I, I hope you're you're on the uh, the rotation of the uh, the hitters on the team. That would be fun. I I, I, play, I could be designated hitter. Yeah, there you go. It's, you could knock one out of the park every time. I think, Roger. It's 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 been a pleasure. I've been a fan of yours since I picked up the the hobgoblin with the tattoos off the spinner shelf, <laughs> spinner rack. Thank you, Brad. Man, Thank I. And you're feel free to uh, visit the message board. We've we've got uh, a lot of fans on ours too. So. Well, Roger, I whenever I can. All right. Well, Roger, thank you again. Thank you, Brad. All right. Bye. And many thanks to Roger for taking time to do these two podcasts. He's one of my all-time favorite Spider-Man writers, and he really just reaffirmed it even more after this interview. Now, if you'd like to order some of Roger Stern's work, you can order them at MailOrderComics.com. Just type in his name, Roger Stern, in the search bar on the left of the website. And they have Essential Peter Parker, Volumes 2 and 3, which has his work in it. Each cover priced for $16.99. And Mail Order has them for $10.53. So quite a discount. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. I'm Brad Douglas, and as always, thanks so much for listening and visiting the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>